<laughs> Excellent start. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Welcome to the In Your Mind podcast. My name is Jalal Javed. I am Brendan O'Connor, and this is the first episode of the In Your Mind podcast where we talk about random stuff that's happening to us and in the world sometimes. Yeah, and we try to make it relatable to our audience because ourselves we are, you know, young adults and we have a way of looking at things that might be different from the rest of the world. So we want to share that with you guys and uh, see what you guys think. All right, so Jalal, what happened to you this week? How was your week? What happened? It was it was interesting, man. Uh so Zoom University, you know, first classes got set up. Oh man, yeah. Love yeah. Love Zoom. Haven't used it yet, but just the sign-up process was fun. So. <laughs> I know. That app, dude, is, I don't know. It's something else. Luckily, I have, like, a pretty good setup. So, I have, like, two monitors and then my tablet which for Zoom. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I can multitask pretty easily, but for people but for people with just one laptop, man. Like me. <laughs> yeah, it's rough. Yeah. Because you're supposed to look at the Zoom and also write notes and, you know, do all this crap. Yeah, so. I'm just not going to put it in full screen or take notes in a notebook like I usually do. Yeah. So, so I usually I take my notes digitally. So I'll so what I'll do is I'll type it out. Mm-hmm. So quick tip for you guys is I use Microsoft OneNote, and I type out all my notes. And if I need to freehand it, I'll have a notebook just in case next to my side. Mm-hmm. And then after the lecture is over, I'll take a break for half an hour, and then I'll rewrite my notes again, uh, digitally with my stylus. Oh, okay. So like taking notes two or three times just so you get it yeah and make sure that you're that yeah that's a good idea so i take that i don't want to say crappy notes but uh fast notes mm-hmm. to get to get the general idea and then uh i recap okay and then i take brand new notes over again mm-hmm. but they're finalized and they look neat and pretty oh okay yeah and I, organized. I got taught how to do notes in my sophomore year push class Really? My AP US history class. Yeah, the yeah. first thing that uh, our teacher taught us to do, and he was the single best teacher that I've had in my entire life. But uh, just he'd have us write out a topic, like the general topic, and then indent it based on like how the information relates to each point. So okay. like if there was, let's say like we were talking about the Revolutionary War, so I'd write down Revolutionary War for like the main topic and then like Common Sense by Thomas Paine would be one and then in a dash and then I'd indent it and then write out the effects that it had on the people at the time or something like that. So not what it is, but what the effects? That's part of it. Well, I mean, there's what it is, uh, the effects of it, and like why it mattered. That's usually how I do notes. So you're doing a lot of indenting? Yeah. To space it out and make sure your mind isn't all like yeah, all bottled exactly. up. Okay. And, yeah, it's more for organization, not necessarily based on a point or anything like that. Nice, yeah. Yeah. So I mean other than that, man, my week is I just working man, hustling. Yeah. Making that moolah. Yeah. Uh, man. Amazon will do that to you. I know. So yeah. Other than that, just you know, watching Netflix new shows. Yes. Um uh, so I started a new anime called Villain Saga. What else did I start? Uh, I'm also thinking about playing my ukulele. Uh, yeah. Like, again. Okay. Because I, I took it seriously uh, when the quarantine happened. Mm-hmm. And I kind of dropped it. Yeah. Because I wanted a game. But I'll, I'll mm-hmm. also, Harry Potter. 
Oh, you're I'm, into Harry yeah, Potter now? Yeah, I'm rewatching Harry Potter. Rewatching? When did you watch it the first time? Uh, when I was a kid. Oh, like, really? When I was young, bro. Did you read any of the books or anything? No, I didn't. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, they were, the books were intimidating to me. They're very thick books. I, I looked down and it's like, wow, you need a big... When I when I was a kid, I thought you need like a big brain to read this, <laughs> you know? Cause they're just so big. Yeah. But, uh, you know, as, I, as you grow older, you realize a lot more themes and how the characters interact. Mm-hmm. And your perceptions change, so yeah. I wanted to rewatch it. Okay. Uh, so I just finished the first movie, and mm-hmm. I'll be watching the second one hopefully soon. Yeah. Have time. And I started Peaky Blinders a few days ago, and that's one of your favorite shows of all time. And uh, I'm halfway, or I'm at the beginning of season three right now, and it has been quite a wild ride. I really noticed the. Uh, right at the beginning how the tone of the show was going to be like it's a very gritty like kind of dirty show and i was very interested in that and then showing some of the uh post world war one ptsd that everybody went through was a really interesting part of that show for me and uh I got a really unfortunate spoiler before the podcast yeah, started uh, <laughs> that I'm not going to talk about because yeah, I so, haven't even seen it happen yet. Yeah, so one thing I like about Peaky Blinders is they have multiple plot points in a season, like one season. Mm-hmm. So it's not just a show where you can turn your brain off and watch it because yeah. if you do, then you'll have no idea what is going on. Yeah, they're, they're like four different plot point or plot lines throughout every season that I noticed like there's the general oh for those of you who don't know it's about a uh, street gang a fictional well I mean yeah it's a fictional street gang but based it, off still, of the term yeah. Peaky Blinders which is any street gang in Birmingham in the like post-war uh, England yeah so they're based on uh, like an actual game because there are gangs that did happen because gangs in those days, they needed, it was hard to survive. Everyone was in poverty and whatnot, so mm-hmm. they had to make money somehow. And one of the ways they made money was fighting other gangs and using violence as power. Yeah, that was a big part of it, like intimidation. I mean, it's classic gang stuff, like controlling gambling and races, stuff like that, clubs, bars. And then, you know, owning a neighborhood, but... Yeah, I mean, so they're called Peaky Blinders because, uh... So, inside their hats, they actually have races in them. So, when they when they would fight the enemies, mm-hmm. they would blind them with the razor blades. Yeah. So, that's I, why... <laughs> I saw that one in one of the first episodes. Where yeah. Where he got into a fight and pulled out a razor and... Or he used his hat and slashed the guy across the face. Yeah, which is pretty interesting, actually, because... <laughs> it's a neat way of looking at, like, fighting. And usually, because th- back in the day, you wouldn't think that they'd use razor blades to blind their enemies, but it's true guerrilla warfare. So Yeah, I guess that's what it's called. <laughs> yeah. Urban guerrilla warfare. Urban guerrilla warfare, yeah. But, yeah, just, I mean, even just seeing how corrupt everything was all the way to even Winston Churchill back in the early 1900s, it's very interesting just the historical side of it yeah so we're not going to talk about major spoilers for you guys but 
obviously most of you guys know who Winston Churchill was, and we think of him as like a good public figure, and he did good for you know England and Britain mm-hmm. or whatever. But with every politician or every leader in the world, they have some flaws. And when you actually watch the show, you see what he's doing behind the scenes and his ways of operating mm-hmm. the country. Yeah, may not be in the most most ethical way. Right. Or, and this was before he was prime minister too. Yeah, so, this was when he was high up in like the what do you call it, the yeah, parliament? Yeah, he was in the parliament, I believe, at this time. Yeah. But uh, he didn't become prime minister until I want to say the thirties, and then throughout World War Two, and then I believe that he got outed and then became prime minister again in the fifties, maybe. I'm not sure. I don't remember. I'd have to look it up. Cause he, uh, yeah, cause he led World War Two. Yes, he led the English throughout war, or the British, I suppose they were at the time yeah, throughout World War Two. Um, which, uh, yeah, the show goes into sort of. This is in the first episode, so the fight between the English and communists, and that and that communist movement that started in post World War One britain and sort of spread throughout europe around the time just because of what happened in russia and the then soviet union at the time that sort of led to the more conservative english getting feeling somewhat threatened by it and using every form of violence in their power to quell any kind of communist revolutionary idea and England at the time. Yeah, because especially back in the day, a world without internet, uh, power actually meant something. And there is no middle ground, you could say, right? So back in the show, it shows especially, there isn't really a middle class. Um, either you're very poor or you're very rich. Yeah. And uh, we're not going to spoil spoil anything, but as the show progresses, you, progresses, you see the Peaky Blinders uh, evolve into... A non-traditional family through you know as you could you could call it the american dream in a sense where they're working hard mm-hmm. or you're, they're using ways of achieving their goals which and, are far less than legal yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah a lot of yeah it's kind of a violent show it sort of picks up after the first season in terms of graphic violence but uh so far, I'm really enjoying it, it, other than the one spoiler that I got that I'm still a little salty about, because it's a character who, yeah, nothing, <laughs> not going to talk about that. Yeah. But if you do like, um, it's, it is a dark show, but it, it will show that will stimulate your mind as you're watching it, and yeah, it will make you look at the world in a different perspective and make you have empathy for people back then, and make you realize the actions of Britain and what they did, and how it affected Russia, and I guess you could say the political relationship. I suppose I'm not really into that part of it yet, but yeah, uh, I assume that's where season three is going at least, because it starts off with some Russian ties. Let's just say, yeah, and we'll leave it at that. Yeah. Yep. All right. Let's see what else do we have. Current events. Let's take a look at Twitter real quick and see just some random thing that's happening in the news today, because it is... Because <laughs> Brennan does like his Twitter. <laughs> I do, I do, 
I don't like Twitter, but I use it more than I should. Yeah. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, it seems like we're heading towards a civil war. Just a little bit. Maybe. I'm like in 45% that we may or may not have a civil war by November. It's crazy to look at because in just four years, the whole country has shifted. Because during Obama's time... Even if you were not, if you were a fan of Obama or not a fan of Obama, the country was pretty peaceful. And nowadays, you think, yeah, obviously because of the coronavirus, we're everyone's on edge. But We've even been with, on edge since twenty seventeen, though. <laughs> I mean, yeah. like I can't think of a time for more than during a, Trump's for yeah. more than a week during the Trump presidency where I haven't felt some form of anxiety for our country. Yeah. <laughs> But, I mean, it's not like these are new ideas that he's bringing. It's just magnifying what we have going on. And I'm not a fan of any president, really, since Lincoln. (laughs) I think they've all had insane amounts of problems. And, yeah, we're not going to get into how I feel about everybody but i dislike obama and i dislike bush and everybody yeah. before them pretty much but it's crazy because yeah. you know we're we're college kids and mm-hmm. i can't speak for everybody but i know a lot of people where they, they feel like their vote doesn't matter mm-hmm. because you know what the old people are going to vote or we have swing states or even the electoral college will will pretty much override our, our decision or the majority vote Mm-hmm. And so I know, what do you call it? voters? Not voter respect, but voters' uh... interest in yeah. voting yes. and feeling like it matters. Yeah. But I I have a friend yesterday. His name's Mustafa, who worked at the polls in 2016, and he told me that Hillary Clinton lost by 10 votes in his polling station. Ten votes. So that election was very close. Yeah. If anything, that proves that your vote actually does matter, because if you and nine other people voted, then it would have been a tie in that precinct. But it's... Yeah. Go vote. Just go Go vote. vote Just go vote. Register, go vote. There's no harm in, you know, voting. And and just just do it. That's something you should do. Just to do it because you never know what's going to happen. Exactly. It could be. My philosophy for voting is vote like you're the tiebreaker in every single race. That's that's even a good mindset to have in life, too. Yeah. That should be everybody's mindset going into voting, regardless of where you live, what state you live in. Vote like you're the tiebreaker because you might be. And because there's, there's really no disadvantage of voting. Right. right? It should be a holiday. Yeah, we're not going to, you know, you're not going to, like, lose money or you're not going to lose your house or it doesn't cost No, a if lot. anything, it, and we put so much focus on the presidential elections, which I think is kind of a shame because that takes away from the local and state elections, which arguably have more of an effect on your daily life than anything the president does. Yeah, because I'm going to be honest with you, man, like... I don't know a lot about the local. I don't either, people. and I know. And I feel like no one does. Yeah, it's unless you're doing hardcore research on them. 
you're mm-hmm. the information is not easily accessible. Right. Just researching who a candidate is for like a county executive or something like that is very difficult to find that information and the profiles for the people. Like I looked on Ballotpedia before the primaries and I didn't recognize probably 70% of the names that were on the ballot. And I didn't vote for any of them because I couldn't morally do that yeah. because I have no idea what their positions are. Yeah. But still, it's just... No, I get it, yeah. man. It's, uh, it's definitely, like, even, even if you're not interested in politics, I feel like people are still turned off by it because I feel like you have to go out of your way and you have to be interested mm-hmm. in politics to, to, who, to know who you're voting for. But that shouldn't be the case because everyone should vote. Like these people, they make you that you know they make. They have more of an effect on your daily life than you even know. Yeah, they make the policies. Right, they make all at least at the state level. They'll do numerous different. Like for instance, we live in Michigan, and for the past eight years, we or we elected Gretchen Whitmer in two thousand eighteen. And we had Rick Snyder before that, and his legislature and the gov- the Michigan government under Rick Snyder allowed the Flint water crisis to happen and didn't do anything to resolve it and deflected responsibility, which is ridiculous. There are going to be people in Flint who have lead poisoning and brain damage from that lead poisoning for the rest of their lives and there's nothing that really can be done about it which is disgusting in my opinion and And no one's going to be held responsible for it either we can't blame the president because obviously if he holds power on a much larger scale and it would be nice to for him to help out flint but he, he there's so much going on in the country where it'll be hard to get the policy passed by the president but if we actually elected a governor or a local official, they will be more inclined to help with Flint because it's it's part of their estate, it's part of their home. Exactly. They they're more aware of the situation. They can relate to it more. Mm-hmm. So in a sense, they're more they'd be more willing to help out. Yeah. It's just like winning the it's like winning the lottery versus like a like a smaller lottery, right? Like like. I suppose it's sort of like that. Because um, either way, you have the you have a higher chance of getting something done on a local level than the on like a federal yeah, level. Yeah, you're definitely going to stand a better chance of getting something done throughout either city, county, or state government than getting any kind of national, federal legislation passed. That's definitely true. Yeah. But uh, do you know why election day is on a Tuesday? I think you told me about this and that was because the farmers they took one day to travel yeah because sunday they had off right yeah so for farmers back in election day became a national it's not even a national holiday but the national election day was only created in 1845 where it's one day that everybody votes and they made it on a tuesday because for farmers they did their harvesting on thursday friday and saturday then they went to church on sunday 
and usually for most of them it took about a day to get to their polling station so they traveled on Monday uh, and then they went to vote on Tuesday and then they had farmers market on Wednesday so at that time it was close to 80% of the United States was a rural populace so most people lived in the middle of nowhere basically and it kept farmers from being able to vote on pretty much any day other than a Tuesday but it wasn't until 1920 when those demographic demographics switched from a majority rural to a majority urban so when do you, when do you think when do you think the switch was when do I think the switch was? It was 1920. It was like 51% to 49% urban to rural. So okay. we have... Election day on a Tuesday has been outdated for 100 years. Yeah. Which is insane, in my opinion. The fact that we can't either move it to Saturday, which is the most reasonable day to have it, or make it a national holiday is solely because of certain people in power let's just say who understand that if more people voted then they would stand a less likely chance of winning of getting elected yeah yeah so that's the story of why election day is on tuesday the fact that it's not a national holiday and has never been a national holiday is just ridiculous it boggles my mind because we have some national holidays that i don't want to say are less significant Mm -hmm. but uh we yeah there are some that are less significant and they kind of are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or they they hold less of an importance because Election Day is super important. And it's, Election Day de- determines the status of our country. Yeah. It's probably the most important day in the United States. And we do not treat it like that. Yeah. Which is really a shame. Yeah. In my opinion. And that's like, because I know for myself, when for the whole college situation, for us kids uh i'm glad because with the internet we're speaking out a lot more and we're being more verbal in a sense about the way we want to do things yeah but i was going to ask you why do you think most uh college camps campuses they hold they're always uh known as being liberal or they're always known as (laughs) (laughs) um being that oh the liberal campus oh those oh those dang liberals on my college campus because that's what happens when you get educated and are open to other people's perspectives. <laughs> you become yeah. more liberally minded. Like if you stay in the same city your entire or the same town your entire life and don't see or are exposed to any other viewpoints then you think that your viewpoint is the only one that is correct and you will defend it a lot more harshly than somebody who has been exposed to different ideas and has able to discuss those ideas with other people who may have different views than you so part of the reason why you think the older generation uh is not willing to change is because they hop on the bandwagon too easily but also they're less educated which is probably a fact yeah i mean the american education system is garbage and has been and still is it's been outdated for a very long time and we have refused to acknowledge that in any kind of meaningful way but 
when people wind up getting to college and actually have to use critical thinking skills for every class they take for the most part then it sort of magnifies just how poorly we were taught throughout public education yeah and i so i agree with you on that but what is your definition of critical thinking because let's just say for us students it'd be i feel like we have a different definition of critical thinking than our counterparts that were older yeah i mean i would say critical thinking is being able to look at information understand what that inform what effect that information has on the world or i guess other pieces of information like for example let's say like information where you could apply and yeah make it relatable to it mm-hmm. a different aspect understanding why that information matters okay i think that's what i define critical thinking as okay. or maybe being able to take things that are in a certain context and understand why they happened like for oh so always questioning the why not the what like always thinking of something is why that happened you know and not just oh it happened like yeah so be it yeah exactly so being able to connect the dots i would say or what they say like think outside the box kind of yeah or think in a way that you wouldn't normally not think otherwise Mm -hmm. yeah that's what i would call critical thinking and that just comes with more education. Right. And the way that our education system is set up is memorize this, don't really think about it that much, and then forget it. Yeah, because there's a famous quote by um, Robert Kiyosaki, who is the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And mm-hmm. he says, uh, the only, your, your job in school is to get a job. Yes. Yeah. They train employees they train you how to be an employee they don't train you how to be your own boss or Mm -hmm. how to think for yourself but how to do something for others or how to follow instructions or how to adapt to certain rules yeah but uh they don't really let you have free will in a sense or ask you oh why am i doing this they don't there's that's why questions, you know, people are afraid to question, ask questions in class. Right. And I mean that yep. the education system in its current form has been designed to teach kids how to go and do a manufacturing job. Yeah. Because it was either the late 1800s or the early 1900s where the public education system in the U.S. came into form in the way that it is that the primary objective of it was to teach you how to go into a factory and listen to your boss. And if you guys don't believe me, just hymen into your Zoom classes. I feel like I'm one of the only students that's asking a question throughout mm-hmm. the whole lecture. Yeah. If everyone is just quiet. Yeah, and I mean, I can think of hundreds of times where the teacher asked a question to the class and nobody Nobody. raised their hands and you're just sitting there in an awkward silence for like 15 to 30 seconds even though you know even though you know what the answer is yeah even though even or even then even if you don't know what the answer is 
you're still like, oh, I don't want to act dumb in front of my peers. Right. I'm so, afraid to fail in front of everybody. Yeah, and human beings, we're not exactly the same. We don't think the same way. No. So if I tell you something, you're going to interpret it differently. So yeah. I, you're, you're not, if you, by asking me a question, you're not dumb. You're just trying to find the answer, right. which is the right thing to do. Yeah, and I mean, the, the view that we have on failure, especially in the United States as far as I know, but that's my only perspective is growing up in the U.S., but we treat failure like that's it's like a it. Sin. That's Yeah, failure is a sin, even though the most successful people in the United States have failed many, many, like hundreds of more times than they've succeeded. Yeah, Thomas Edison... Uh, what he had, he had like he had like a thousand experiments or whatever. Yeah, he had like ten thousand patents and only one of them became well, no, like fifteen of them actually became common products. Yeah, like the uh, phonograph and then the light bulb, which he stole from Tesla. But we're not going to get into that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's a whole different topic. Yeah. Thomas Edison was the perfect person to create products in the United States because he did it for personal profit, not for the greater good. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's all about the mindset and the way you think about life. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, unless you're a major criminal or you're a big con man or whatever, people are not going to know you for your failures. Right. They're going to know you for your successes because that's what we praise is we praise success. Yeah. So no one talks about Thomas Edison and his a thousand failures because mm. who does that? Right. Not, no one's, well, the successful people will talk about it. Yeah. But yeah. we're not taught to accept failure as part of success because you can't have success on your first try of doing something. And if you do, you're incredibly, incredibly lucky. But... Even then, it's just it, not even luck. It's just natural. Yeah, it's either power. luck or natural ability and general competence. Not general competence. That's not a good way of putting it. But yeah, I honestly just believe that if you have a an incredibly successful product, idea, or service on your first try, I can't attribute that to anything other than blind luck. Yeah, because. It's, if then everybody would achieve American dream, yeah. Which and in the yeah. United States we're not really meant to achieve the American dream. We're meant to work for the American dream. Yeah, we're not. Meant to, we're not really we're, achieve. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we're uh, the American dream is dependent on hundreds of other people being able to help you in that dream. Yeah. All right. Do you want to get into some ask Reddit? Yeah. Let's, go, right. let's go to some questions. Let's, let's go to some random new questions on ask reddit and see what they're talking about here all right let's see what do you do when you don't think anybody is looking so for me i i just i i groove out man i dance yeah i i just or i try to because i don't want to say i'm the most uptight person which I'm really not. I'm just very structured in the way I do things. Yeah. So it's hard for me to let go. But I'll sometimes groove it out. I'll like, you know, try to go with the flow of things and zen out, you know, to the beat of music mm -hmm. and stuff. Or 
What do I do when nobody's looking? Another thing. For me, I like to sing a lot. I'll go into my car and sing as loud as I can, even though I'm not the best singer. I like so, to think I'm a decent singer. Do you, so do you sing while you're driving? Like you Oh, sing? all the time. I don't... I'll either listen to, like, sports radio or I'll play uh, the playlist that my friend Jacob and I made and just sing, like, to hundreds of classic songs. Oh, like, over the... All the already, like, the lyrics and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, see, I do that, too. Uh, but I, I listen to so much, like, so many different kinds of music. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard to, like, know the lyrics of, of one song yeah. all the way. So what else we got? Let's see. What do you think about death? Wow. What do I think about death? I say... My biggest, my biggest thing about death is we should look at death as something we should not be afraid of. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't be afraid of death. Because there's a quote somewhere, probably someone said it, but if you are afraid of death, then you're afraid of living. Yeah, because, I mean, death is inevitable. Yeah, there's no magic pill where if I take it, I'm immortal. Right. We're not not doing Harry Potter. You know, I can't just, you know, use Mm -hmm. a stone and make myself immortal. Exactly. Yeah, it's, uh... Yeah, my view on death is pretty similar to yours. There's really nothing that we can do about it so i mean i don't i think about it a lot but i don't think about it from like oh i'm scared of it because yeah there's really not a point in being scared of it i mean scared of what might be on the other side of it but there's really no way of knowing what that is until we get there so so that's we may what, as well live for what we got going on right now. Live, because what's the point of living if we're not living at all? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So. Let's see. What is your comfort zone, and can you describe it? My comfort zone? Mm-hmm. Well, there, there's a different way of looking at this. Because my comfort zone, so in terms of like, did I have, have I achieved it yet, or just what is it, like, right now? Yeah, what's it right now? Let's say, what is it right now? Like, what is it? I, I, I mean, I'm comfortable, like, right now on this yeah. couch, like, mm-hmm. we're, having, mean... we're having a conversation. Mm-hmm. Because my whole thing is seeking discomfort. Right. And getting out of my comfort zone. Shout out Yes Theory. Yeah, shout out to Yes Theory. <laughs> if, anyone, if anyone is listening, Yes Theory has changed my life. Uh, if you don't know about them, go on YouTube and just type in Yes Theory. And you'll know why. Yeah, Jalal told me a couple weeks ago that he went through and binge-watched every single Yes Theory video. Oh, I didn't binge-watch. Not binge-watch, but you watched, a lot, you've yeah. seen every single oh, Yes Theory yeah. video. I've seen much. a lot of them. I've seen probably 95% or more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember a few months, actually it was last year in December I watched their documentary where they went with Wim Hof and uh, did all of the, like, they jumped into a freezing cold river. They, or, uh, yeah, they jumped off a cliff into a pond that was in the middle of, I want to say, was it Switzerland or was it like? I think it's Himalayas. 
I don't know if it was the Himalayas, because I know that if they were in the Himalayas, they wouldn't have walked up the... Really? Yeah. Oh, I'm not sure then, but all I know is it was a very cold temperature. Yeah, it was insanely cold. And they were almost butt naked, and they walked up the hills, so... Yeah, that was insane. That's but... a test of your physical and mental capabilities, mm-hmm. and that's yeah. definitely seeking discomfort. Yeah, I mean, I can't... I went into a river near our house, or near my house, in uh, 14 degree weather, and sat in it for like a minute and a half and they were in the river for 10 minutes which is an insane feat that they did after two days of training yeah and it wasn't even like the kind of training that they were expecting he just Wim Hof sort of just went in and was like yeah breathe and grab your legs and that's it keep your yeah keep your mind there yeah and focus on breathing but that just goes to show how much of a powerful effect our minds can have on what our bodies do. Yeah, because even if our body isn't there, our mind's always there. Mm-hmm. You can't take someone's mind away from somebody unless you kill them. Yeah, or brainwash them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh. But yeah, I feel like my comfort zone is something I don't want to. I don't want to be in. You don't want to have one. I don't want to have one because yeah. if you're not in your comfort zone, you're not growing as a person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. I think my comfort zone right now is the room we're in. I love it in here. It's my bedroom. Yeah. But uh, I think the comfort zone mindset is really something that we shouldn't keep up. You shouldn't dwell on. Yeah, don't dwell on on your comfort zone mindset because then you're sort of stuck in what you are. You're like... If you dwell on it, you're, you're, you're kind of like life's worst nightmare, in a sense. Or you're just a basic... Not a basic... <laughs> not like a basic biash, but... Uh, mm-hmm. are, are you re- I mean, are you truly enjoying life if you're always in your comfort zone? I don't know. I know I didn't for five years. I was very... I was stuck in my comfort zone, but my comfort zone was a very unhealthy place to be. Yeah. So, I think... It wasn't until I sort of had to get snapped out of that that I realized, oh, there's a lot more to life that you can find when you go out and get out of your comfort get zone. out of your comfort zone. Yeah, and sort of challenge yourself to do something that you probably wouldn't have done if you didn't actively think about it. Yeah, because I, I know Brennan can t- to attest to this, and some of my friends can, but. I've did, I totally changed in the past two yeah two, two or three years yeah, yeah. two or three years it was, once you graduated high school yeah once I graduated high school I realized that wow something needs to change and I need to get out of my comfort zone and stop being normal mm-hmm. because normal was not the way I wanted to do things I wanted no. to, I wanted to be extra I wanted to stand out mm-hmm. and I wanted to achieve my dreams and goals no matter how big they were. Yeah, and I wanted to branch out as a person, right? And see where my where where my true potential is, right? Push yourself to the point where it's fun. It's fun, yeah. If you get to the point where pushing yourself and getting uncomfortable is more comfortable than being <laughs> comfortable, yeah, then it's you can do incredible things. Yeah, like we we would not start the podcast if. No, we're in comfort zone. Absolutely not, because this is something that 
isn't well i mean we're doing it for fun obviously but there's if we were comfortable we would not be sharing our knowledge right knowledge or just our perspective on something i think that's an important thing to do is understand that your perspective has value no matter where you come from yeah that's uh and that everybody else's perspective has some kind of value even if you disagree with everything they say for sure like you can get wisdom from people from people's mistakes and from their successes yeah like i could i could gain knowledge from my enemy but if i you know what what is that called the enemy of of the my enemy, enemy, of my enemy is, is my, my best friend. friend. Yeah. Yeah. So just like that, because your enemy knows will know about you, and if if for the counter argument, if you know about them, it just is better. Like you'll you'll understand them. Keep your friends close, but your enemies, your enemies closer. closer. Yeah. Yeah. Even though we don't have really enemies, enemies right now, but who knows? You never know. <laughs> what else do we have here? When you listen to your voice as you talk, how different does it sound from a recording or video? Wow, that's something we, <laughs> we can relate to right now. Yeah. I thought I sound totally different. Because when I... I feel like when you talk, for you, does it sound deeper? Like, when you hear it? When I hear it in my... In your head. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My talking sounds deeper. And then we did a test version of this earlier this week. And both of us listened to our voices and could not stand the sound of them i I cannot recognize myself right i felt like i I was a different person mm -hmm. but when i listened to you it sounded exactly the same as when you were talking and i'm sure and then when i listened to you you sound exactly the same as you were talking right it's yeah voices are weird because you hear it differently differently well yeah your ears are right in your head and it's vibrating your ears as you're saying the words so yeah that's a very interesting thing when you hear yourself talk and hate the sound of your own voice yeah but what can you do get out of your comfort zone sure <laughs> all right let's see what else we got <laughs> come on reddit this is why we're in new and none of these are it's hard to Re- find good questions if you want you to go to the hot too yeah i'll go to hot see what they're talking about some of the more popular ones Oof. you'll be newer the first two were what makes you sad and what makes, makes you, you happy. happy. <laughs> Let's do those. What makes you sad first and then we'll end on what makes you happy. What makes me sad. Yeah. What makes me sad is I tend to overanalyze everything, mm-hmm. which is, so if I overanalyze the situation, because uh, in my mind, I think it went wrong, but in reality, it actually didn't. So I'm, over, I'm contemplating over that and I'm kind of sad. Mm-hmm. Um. But obviously, sad music makes me sad, but I kind of enjoy it. It's one of those things where, like, you know what's bad for you, but you enjoy Yeah. Like, Billie, listen to Billie Eilish, you know? Oh, yeah, I don't really listen to Billie Eilish. But... Or, like, some, like, depressing yeah, bands. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so stuff like Daniel that. Powder's You Had or Bad Day. Yeah, oh. You Had a Bad Day. Day. Copyright. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But what makes me sad is, I get sad when other people are sad. Uh, when mm-hmm. I, especially in public, man. Yeah. Because I don't know about you, but I'm, I, I have, I, I have that soul connection. I don't know. With other people, I'm very empathetic in a mm-hmm. sense. So we're like, if you're hurt, I'm hurt. Yeah. Especially my friends, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I see you guys down, it brings me down. Yeah. I'm the same way with that. Like, 
Like, I just can't stand it, dude, because mm-hmm. if we're vibing, we're vibing. If you're happy, you're unhappy, like, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I'm also very selfless, in a sense, in some ways in my life, where that kind of makes me sad, but I've learned to, like, you know, appreciate myself mm-hmm. and put myself to a higher standard. Sure. Yeah, I think uh, for me, probably the biggest thing that makes me sad is when people don't listen to each other and don't actually take the time to understand where somebody else is coming from. Yeah, like the communication is yeah. such an important, such an important skill mm-hmm. that people need to learn. Yeah, especially now because we've got so many different ways to communicate with each other, and I mean, I was on Twitter this morning and i could the first one of the i'd say five of the first 20 tweets i saw were negative about somebody else yeah most of life's problems could be solved if people just communicated yeah communicated effectively because the way that we communicate now is a very hostile very hostile or very weird in a sense where you don't fully comprehend what the other person is trying to say to you mm-hmm. yeah you're we're not even listening to each other half the time. We're just waiting for them to finish so we can make our own point. Exactly. Which is the worst way to listen. It's not even listening. You're just hearing somebody say something. That's not even an argument. You're just spouting BS or whatever. Yeah. Or you're just spouting your point of view. Right. But you're not counter-arguing. Like, yeah. If you look at, what is the guy on YouTube? Um, oh, Crowder. Jay Crowder. Yeah. Not Jay Crowder. Oh, that's no, a basketball Steven? player. Steven Steve, Crowder. Yeah, Steven Crowder. Yeah. It's like, change my mind. Yeah. It's, you might not be a fan of his uh, political mm-hmm. um, Yeah, I disagree sentiments. with him on every single political view. Yeah, but his views or his, you know, how he does things. But one thing that we can all say for a fact is that guy is hella good at communicating. Yeah, he's, he's good at listening and understanding what somebody else's point is. I'll give him that. And he's also very patient. Yes. Because some of these interactions that he has, especially in some videos, people will straight get up and get hostile or they'll get aggressive. Mm-hmm. And that's the worst way to convince somebody that your argument is right is by telling them either they're an idiot or just yelling your views louder, which is what we wound up doing through social media. Yeah, because... In my early business classes, you learn to find out that a lot of these negotiations and a lot of these sales pitches, pretty much what it comes down to is people mirroring body language and mirroring the other person mm-hmm. of who, the, what they're trying to get. Yeah. And if you guys aren't on the same page for anything in life, you mm-hmm. can't really. Yeah. You can't get your ideas across effectively. Right. Yeah. My organizational behavioral psychology class that I took... Uh, one of the first things we talked about was we watched the movie 12 Angry Men in the class and took notes on how their communication was with each other and how each person has like a different kind of personality in it. Yeah. But um, the person who was wound up being the most effective in terms of steering the conversation and maintaining the ability to communicate with everybody was the one who could mirror the personality of the other person the best and sort of switch where they were based on who they were talking to yeah and 
just any business, if you're not willing to adapt, you will get crushed. Mm-hmm. Just how Amazon is adapting to current times, they're take a real. They're just taking over the world, and like they're the industries are booming, right? So mm-hmm. like companies are going bankrupt because they're not innovating or they're not adapting to current times. So that's just another way. You, also, adaptability. People mm-hmm. people are afraid to adapt or they can't adapt. Yeah, I mean, for a lot of businesses, especially throughout COVID. adaptation also takes money yeah which most of them yeah and when your company is sort of stuck in a certain revenue flow then when a global pandemic happens which most people don't prepare for um there's not really much you can do other than hope you don't go bankrupt and wait it out (laughs) yeah yeah so i this pandemic especially if one thing we could learn about it is is the fact that we're not always safe from anything we need to i'm not say be be alert but mm-hmm. we always we always need to prepare for the worst case scenario understand that your comfort zone is not going to last yeah for sure <laughs> no matter what happens you if you get comfortable in where you are there's going to be something that happens in the world that will force you to change yeah but um yeah you you're pretty much just fucked like yeah (laughs) you'll get fucked (laughs) it's like Mm -hmm. life will fuck you up like life is meant to fuck you up like yeah it's life if we look at it back in the day humans were but humans were uh humans would um humans they they would struggle right Mm -hmm. throughout history humans have been struggling ever since we came to be but as tech as the years have progressed or whatnot, uh, they, we, we have learned to struggle less and less because innovation is a technology. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, unless you're in the top zero zero one percent you you will struggle somehow yeah. or some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've been in this constant cycle of fear and then frustration. Oh, like, yeah. like hunter-gatherers, oh, I'm scared of getting eaten by a lion or bitten by a snake or starving so let's band together hunt and create agriculture and make it less stressful right specialize and then we've gone on since that and innovated to the point where fear for survival has become i have to make money now yeah work is yeah, work is how you survive. Mm-hmm. Which is unfortunate. Yeah, unless you're living off the land. But that still is hard work, living off the land. Yes, you're, absolutely. Yeah. But we've gotten... I'd like to think that in 100 or 200 or 500 years, people will look back at us and think, wow, they worked way harder than they had to. Yeah. Because we've gotten to the point where work has become work and school has become Bother. so damaging to people's mental health like I feel like it's just it's a bother to go to work or it's a bother to go to school uh-huh yeah I didn't go to school <laughs> yeah I never went to school I missed like almost 200 days of high school yeah I mean, I still got stuff It shouldn't be the case because it's part of life. Mm -hmm. 
but it just makes us realize that life isn't all it doesn't have to be all fun and games 24 7 mm-hmm. you need to work and it's just it's a rule of life or a rule of survival i guess yeah if you want, if you want to look at it like that unless you're jeff bezos or bill gates or warren buffett well i mean even they worked yeah they worked they had a very very significant head start but it still worked yeah yeah it's yeah and there are a lot of people who don't have that kind of head start at the end of the day it, it's just different levels of work mm-hmm. some people will work less in their life or some people will will work more but it all depends on you know how invested you are or how much you value your free time yeah valuing your time is your one time. of the most important things that you can do is understanding that we only have a limited amount of time on earth so it's the most precious commodity that we have and we don't often treat it like that you know what they say time is money yeah well time is money but time is so much more than money money. it's everything really we've got yeah everything is it all boggles down to time Mm -hmm. we do we are what we are we do what we do because of time yeah all right what's one thing that you learned this week one thing i learned yeah one thing i learned this week as a general thing or like a life lesson life lesson something about yourself maybe a piece of information you didn't know um what i learned this week is i'm not special uh i'm not because at the end of the day there's always someone that's gonna be better than you Mm -hmm. in everything you do and that just it made me realize that I could I mean I've never had a big ego but it made me realize the fact that no matter what you do there's always gonna be someone better than you at the end of the day and you have to live with it and especially for tennis yeah <laughs> for tennis I've for the longest time I thought I was really good I was special because you know my you know my right foot and whatnot because I could play a certain way but I, w- I really wasn't it just I wasn't I'm decent but I'm not the best or you know, I'm not pro level. Mm-hmm. So what I learned is don't be hard on yourself because it, it doesn't, it doesn't really help you at the, end, at the end of the day. Yeah. Giving yourself that grace. Like I'm may not be the best at the thing that I thought I was really good at, but like, that's okay. Yeah. You need to have self-awareness and you don't need to be perfect. You don't need to be good at something. Just be content. Mm-hmm. So that's something I yeah. I learned to be content. Yeah. W- what about you? Content but not comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> um, Never comfortable. Yeah, for me, I think this week I learned that I got into the Bible this week. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I learned that a lot of what we've been taught about it wasn't necessarily accurate information and that the biggest story about it had to do with the promise that God made to Abraham and the is uh, the Israelites and how it is essentially the story of how throughout the Old Testament the Jewish people failed constantly to live up to God's expectations for them yeah which was a very interesting thing to look at and see how 
it was sort of this cycle of um, like oh there were a few good people who came out of the Old Testament and then the rest of them sort of went back and descended into like idolatry uh, sexual idolatry. immorality oh idolatry idolatry like worshipping other gods or whatever okay. um, it's yeah it was a constant cycle of getting punished for not believing and having faith yeah so just to clarify guys so Brennan is now a Christian and then I'm Muslim so that, that's that's our backgrounds we come from different mm-hmm. religious backgrounds but we we grew up together yeah we, we've been friends for 12 years 12 at this years, point. yeah yeah a so, very long time that's yeah a very long time uh we've been lucky in a way oh absolutely and then we have another friend Eric whose name isn't actually Eric but yeah but he, we'll, he, we'll we'll bring him in sometime yeah I'm part. sure he'll ha- we'll have him on at some point because he yeah. is he's the smartest person we know oh for sure without a doubt without he a doubt th- smarter than any my dad dude. yeah oh I, I love my dad I love you dad but no. Definitely. Oh, I, he's absolutely smarter than my dad. Yeah. <laughs> but um, he is three degrees. Yeah. He's twenty three, and he got a full ride to the University of Michigan. Yeah. Which is and coming from his background, that's impressive. Yeah. Oh man, absolutely. He came to the United States when he was in sixth grade. Didn't speak any English. Sixth grade? Yeah, I think he was in sixth grade. Cause we were so he was two two years ahead of us, right? Yeah. We I met you in fourth grade when, when I moved in. Right. I think he came here at the same time you did. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he knew very little English, and now he's working for a major financial firm. And making, making bank. <laughs> yeah, we're not gonna say what, but he's yeah. We uh, love Eric. Yeah, but we were. Do you remember we, we used to call each other the the wolf pack? The wolf pack. The wolf pack. Shout out to Hangover. Hangover. hangover I don't yeah. really know how we came up with that name, but because I remember I watched. So I watched the movie The Hangover mm-hmm. when it first came out. Yeah, I'm not sure if we watched it get together. I don't think we did. But like, I hey, I, I brought up the idea, like, guys, like we should be called the wolf pack mm-hmm. because back then, like, because there was a smart dude, there was an attractive one, there was a funny guy. You can guess which one's which. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. <laughs> Back then, Brendan, right? Uh, but, uh, yeah. But we just called each other the wolf fact, and, yeah, it just, I just, because most kids will not have, will not have the experience that we had mm-hmm. growing up. Yeah, and I mean. Even, even in America, even in the most diverse, um, country, one of the most diverse countries in the world, you will not have the same experience we did. Mm-hmm. Because my next door neighbors, as, uh, you know, I'm a Canadian, but mm-hmm. also as a Pakistani as well, was, when I, was an Irish boy and then a Korean. Yeah. And, and different religious beliefs, different worldviews, different experiences. But yeah. we were very fortunate that we lived in a place where there were so many different cultures that lived there. Yeah. And I remember when I first moved in, I think the first two people I met were Mexican. And then we had neighbors that lived above us who were Japanese. 
and I lived in every a neighborhood where everybody was white. Parents had two kids and a dog. It's like the American dream. It's like the, it's like the American dream family. Like the the quote, typical, yeah, the nuclear American family. From the, the white, 50s. the white picket fence. You know, yeah, kind of that family. sort of idea. Yeah, but I think the most valuable thing that happened to me in my entire life was being able to move into where we did and be able to get exposed to other worldviews, other cultures, other circumstances. And that was more valuable than any education, any education I could have gotten. Yeah. And still have gotten. Yeah. <laughs> that shaped my worldview more than school ever could. Dude, I can't imagine what I would be or what we would be without, like, if I just lived in a small townhouse area with mm-hmm. no one around or, or going outside, dude, like, can you, it, it would have been crazy. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That was the first episode of the In Your Mind podcast with Brendan O'Connor and Jalal Javed. Thank you guys for listening. That was uh, many more to come. Mm-hmm. That was definitely an interesting conversation we just had. And I've learned so much, but also I hope you guys have learned something as well. Yep. Because we'll be doing a lot more of these. Yeah, and we'll have different guests on hopefully in the near future, depending on COVID circumstances or technology circumstances. Yeah. But, um... <laughs> Yeah, we look forward to chatting with y'all. Yeah, chatting, sharing ideas, and expanding your your worldview. Yeah, and ours at the same time, I hope. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening. Right. Ciao.